Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is a podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner... Hari. <laughs> All right, Hari. Thank you for joining. In this episode, we're going to talk about diversification. Uh, it's part two of portfolio management. In the previous episode, portfolio management, uh, asset allocation, episode number number uh, 33, we talked about uh, asset allocation. How much cash should you hold? How much stock should you own, etc. So if you haven't checked that out, please do check that out before you listen to this one. In this episode, we're going to talk about the second part of portfolio management. As we, as we talked about in the last episode, portfolio management and value investing can largely be broken down into two different um, areas. One is asset allocation. The second is diversification. Asset allocation we talked about in the last episode. This episode, we're going to talk about diversification. Or, as we like to call it, diversification. Yep. So, diversification in a general sense is basically saying you need to have a basket of stocks so that you don't have much volatility. You stay with the market. That's effectively what diversification is. You're hedging yourself against these extremes, extreme lows, extreme highs, effectively. And if you know what you're doing, that's a bad thing because you, you can only do average. But if right. you're, if you, if you like to do average, it's a great way to just hit the average. So diversification, I, I just wanted to kind of yeah. provide the context of what we're talking about here. And let's go into, let's go into why we call it diversification. Yeah. So let's, <clears throat> it, you know, just, just so you're also aware of, you know, where all these concepts of coming from is, you know, there's a lot of, um, when you look at how portfolio management happens at, at, you know, hedge funds and at mutual funds and, you know, these big uh, managed uh, areas, the idea is that if I'm managing a bunch of people's money, right, what I don't want to have is a lot of volatility in my portfolio, yeah, right? Yeah. The reason for that is if my portfolio is more volatile than the overall market, what happens is my portfolio drops too much, people will withdraw my money, then I'm forced to sell more more of my portfolio to pay for their withdrawals. And then eventually what happens is that money then, I, I, I look bad, right? And so what yeah. you see is, you see a lot of um, bromides that are being said by these folks around, let's use diversification to reduce our risk, right? But what you're really reducing in your is the volatility in your, you know, um, in your portfolio. Now, reducing your volatility also works both ways, right? You're reducing the downside volatility, but you're also reducing the upside volatility, yeah. right? And so eventually what happens is if you buy more than say 10 to 12 stocks, you effectively get the same rate of return as the overall market, right? right. You you start at getting closer and closer to that because any individual stock has no impact on your overall portfolio. So think about it this way. If I own three stocks, right, is 33% of my portfolio. If one of those stocks doubles and the others all stay the same, right, you actually get a very decent return, right? But now if you look at if I own 30 stocks and one of them doubles, then that one stock that I've picked that doubled really didn't have much impact overall on my portfolio, yeah. right? And so there's a couple of reasons that they say this, you know, that, that we should diversify. And this applies to asset allocation too, right? Is you diversify into real estate, you diversify into whatever. Yep. 
diversification effectively just reduces your overall overall rate of return to whatever the market provides. Yeah. But it also does, you know, this this concept of it doesn't no, it no longer really matters what's in my portfolio. I can own a hundred stocks. No, but nobody can follow a hundred stocks, right? You can know a little bit about a hundred stocks, but you can't know in depth what's going on with a hundred companies, right? So the idea is that I don't have to spend as much time or pay it much as much attention yeah. to what's going on with individual companies. And that means that I can also do these these kind of things where I start allocating my portfolio based on, well, we'll do 5% tech, 10% yeah, know, oil industry. and gas, yeah. you know, all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then so, so then it becomes a this diversification of industry, diversification of geography. Geography, yeah. And you can diversify into, you know, whatever, right? Yep. But at the end of the day, if you don't know anything about that industry or you don't know anything about this whatever, it makes it very difficult for you to be able to follow that. And so people will say, tell you, and I see this all the time when I, when I, you know, people will present their portfolio of 30 companies. They don't really know anything about 30, you know, 28 of those companies. Two of them are fantastic ideas and those two do fantastically well. And then the other 28 drag the rest of the portfolio yeah. down. Average, they, average down. So when you start buying too many into too many companies, what you're effectively saying is, I don't have 20, 30 good ideas. I have three really good ideas, and the rest of them are all trash. Yeah. And <clears throat> and so at that point, why would you hold the rest? Right. And yeah. and so these ideas are, uh, you know, and and this happens at you know mutual funds. They do do this stuff where they're required to not own more than ten percent of their yeah. assets in one port one stock. And, you know, there are all kinds of other restrictions. And so their volatility affects their ability to do, you know, so they're okay with market risk, which is the entire stock market goes down, but they're not okay with individual, you know, companies taking out the, you know, a large chunk of their portfolio. Yeah. And I just want to clarify one thing. And I want to read this quote that we have here. When we talk about the market, like the stock market, we're talking about you know the the general basket of stocks for example the S&P 500 index for example is a good indication of how the market is doing and so when people talk about oh, I just want to follow the market that's effectively what they're saying S&P 500 index and when your portfolio is 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 you know is performing like the market that's effectively saying your your portfolio is performing just like the S&P 500 index for example right Okay, I want to read this quote because I think it's a good follow-up to what you talked about right there. This is a quote from the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting in 1996. Warren Buffett said this, um, We think diversification as practice makes very little sense generally for people who know what they're doing. And he follows up and says, Diversification is a protection against ignorance, which is exactly what Harry talked about. And he says, It is a confession that you don't really understand the businesses you own. That's exactly what Hari just said. And I think this is a core principle of, of value investing. You need to know what the hell you're owning in your portfolio. Yeah. And if you don't, you shouldn't own it. Well, so, so I think there's just to be as you know, precise as possible, right? There are value investors who don't, who, who look purely at like PE or other things and do not um, allocate, uh, you know, they just, they essentially just, diversify but they're only buying a basket of undervalued stocks and th those guys you know beat the market right um 
So I, I, I don't want to make it sound like diversification by in and of itself oh, yeah. is, is the, yeah, yeah. You're, you're still, if you're buying a, a basket of undervalued stocks, yeah. you're still going to be yeah. on the whole doing better than the market than if you were to buy just a general basket of stocks. Mm-hmm. Now, what I would make the argument for is the older style of value investing, you know, which is not, there's nothing wrong with it. It's actually a very valid one doesn't necessarily pay attention to the quality of the company, right? Mm. They are more looking at the, the price to book ratio, yeah. the price to earnings, the price to free cash flow, whatever other, you know, metric you want to use. That is not necessarily wrong, right? Again, I don't have a problem with, you know, that that style of investing because it's still basing it on <clears throat> the value of the business. When he talks about diversification here specifically, he is saying that they are buying quality businesses that are trading at a fair price, right? That is a big distinction, right? Yep. And that's where diversification actually can, you know, reduce your returns, right? So if I buy a company that is 70 or 80% undervalued and it's a really fantastic business, I can triple my money or quadruple my money in a four or five year period. That's a fantastic rate of return, right? But when I start then coupling that with mediocre purchases or bad, you know, businesses, then and and what I would say is, great businesses tend to try, you know, trade at a price premium, right? And so finding undervalued great companies is much harder than finding undervalued crappy ones, yeah. right? So y- you can you can typically find in any market undervalued businesses. Yep. What you can't find is undervalued great businesses yeah. in a. A, a bull market mm-hmm. right and that's when i you know my comment last episode was you know i find one i i i shoot for finding one stock per year and in the last five years i've found one stock per year that is worth investing and all of them have done very well right and and if if you do that you're finding a great business that mitigates your risk to, to zero almost zero and you're also it's also undervalued uh, which is a double protection against you know risk, so that's that's what he is really referring to here with diversification. Mm-hmm. And when he says it's a protection against ignorance, what he he his caveat to that is he calls investors into two categories, right? Those are people who are no something investors who are you know do the do the fundamental analysis, understand the business, and so on, and then know nothing investors. And the know nothing and it, it's not a pejorative term. He's just saying. You don't want to do the work, buy an index fund. Yep. If you do want to do the work, then you're better off only owning a small basket of stocks. And that's, you know, that's Warren Buffett's philosophy. That doesn't necessarily mean that's every value investor investor's philosophy, but let's be honest, he's the best at it. So, you know, we should kind of pay attention when he speaks, yep. you know. Yep. And I want to I want to point out this this uh, this aspect what we talked about before before we started the podcast. We talked about the volatility aspect of it. Of things and and you talked about this volatility it doesn't really matter because the only time the the only time the stock price matters is when you're buying it and when you're selling it what happens in between all this volatility doesn't really matter for us yep. but if you if you can't stomach the volatility then you shouldn't you should you should diversify you should try to follow the general market if that's too if the extreme volatility is too too hard to stomach for you and so I want I just wanted to point that out to our to our listeners. Yeah, and I, what I would say is if you can't stomach extreme volatility, then what you're effectively saying is that your emotions are controlling your investment decision, 
right? And that in that case, it's index funds are w- the way to go, yeah. right? I, I mean, in the last three months, my portfolio dropped thirty percent. Yeah, mine. Yeah, mine too. And I'm like, whatever. This doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's dropped more than that before, and you know, in 2009, it dropped like sixty or something percent, and you know. I'm still way better off today than I was, you know, if I had just sold out and, you know, bought an index yeah. fund. So, you know, y- you have to really think about it from the perspective of, yeah, but what is this individual stock? Forget your portfolio. What is this individual stock valued at and what is it trading at now? Yeah. Is it very undervalued? Then effectively, eventually it will become yeah. fairly valued. And I, I, I can say in in 15 you know, plus years of doing this, I have never found that a stock that is uh, undervalued doesn't eventually hit its fair value in the next three to four years, right? So if you are willing to hold for three or four years, you will get some, you know, fair value uh, return out of your investment. Yeah. So that that almost, you know, well, it, I'm not saying that it will never, you know, it'll always be the case, but, you know, that's that's something you should always consider is, in the future, things will be better, right? And at the, at the uh, Berkshire Hathaway meeting last year oh, in, yeah. in May, uh, Warren Buffett, before his the, the talk started, yeah. he actually showed some uh, slides, and he showed the uh, on December 7th or December 8th, 1941, you know, uh, the day that Pearl Harbor, uh, the day after Pearl Harbor was uh, bombed, you know, the, the Dow just plummeted, yeah. you know, we're going to war, everything is looking, you know, bleak. And he said that even if you bought, you know, there's a Dow, in or it may have been the S and P. Uh, no, it was, it, was Dow. A, it was the Dow. It was Dow, yeah. And you know, if you if you bought then like ten thousand worth of yeah, Dow. ten thousand dollars worth uh, on the Dow, you know, you're you you would have some multi million dollars <laughs> now. So it's it's just it's just this idea that compound interest is your friend. Yeah. When you buy a great business, you know, time will be your on your side yeah. right and so so just wait for it and it'll 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 take care of itself yeah all right diversification that was the uh that's it for us do you have anything to add with this with this one <clears throat> um you know not really it's it's a. Uh, I I would also say that if you're just beginning you know it, it's it's it is hard to emotionally understand like you know these concepts which is why I would say write down every stock that you purchase, write down on a piece of paper why you bought the stock and what the fair value of that stock is and what your margin of safety price is. And then whenever you feel like, you know, it's, oh, I'm, I'm panicking because it's, you know, went down or whatever, go back and look at that piece of paper and really understand why you bought it when you were rational, right? And because you should be writing this when you're rational, not when you're you know, emotional. Fearful, yeah. yeah. And then, and then try and, re, you know, reorient yourself to, to that concept, right? Every single time. And that yeah. I think helps a lot with the emotional part of this. It definitely helps problem. me for sure. For sure. Over the last three months, four months, it's been very rough, right? The whole market was rough, but the portfolio was rough as well. So going back to, going back to the, the conference calls, going back to the fundamentals, going back yep. to what I thought about earlier, really help me focus on what is important here. What is the true facts? And so that really definitely helps. So that's it from us. Diversification, you know, part two of portfolio management. Um, we talked about allocation in the previous episode. This episode is all about 
diversification or diversification. All right, that's it for us in this uh, in this episode. Um, we'll see you on the next episode, episode thirty-five. All right, thank Thanks. you.